Coming up on podcast 1764, Lucid arrives in Norway, Ford have burnout mode in their EVs, and the Lamborghini plug-in hybrid. Trying a new thing this week, so you know when to expect the show. We go live at 5pm UK, that's midday Eastern. Patreon supporters get the episodes as soon as they're ready and ad-free. You can be like them by clicking on the link in the show notes. Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, wherever you're listening around the world. EV News Daily is your trusted source of EV information. Sunday, 5th of March today. My name is Martin Lee, and I go through every EV story, so you don't have to. We'll start with Lucid announcing their expansion into Norway. Uh, The move comes as part of their efforts to expand their global footprint following their launch in Norway. North America and the UAE. Norway, of course, is an ideal market for any EV maker to enter, especially Lucid, with a high adoption rate of EVs, 90%, 90.1, I think, last month. I reported recently of uh, new vehicles sold, have a plug socket on the side. And, of course, if uh, you are selling EVs in Norway, you can benefit from the government incentives that the Norwegian government are offering. EV buyers, exemption from purchase taxes and reduced road tolls. Those are winding down, by the way, some of those exemptions in Norway. But still, uh, always worth buying an EV over a combustion car. Lucid will launch the Air in Norway in coming months for customers. I've already seen a Björn Newland video, a Tesla Björn, on YouTube having a look round Lucid in Norway. He was very excited about seeing it. The Air, of course, had amazing reviews with 520 miles of range on a single charge. They took uh, reservations for the Lucid Air in Norway. They've already been doing that. And their showrooms will be opening in Oslo and Bergen. Moving on to Ford, and they are going to unveil burnout mode and add that to their electric vehicles, allowing the EV's wheels, its driven wheels, to spin without worrying too much about traction or going anywhere particularly. Uh, While the feature may seem unusual uh, to add to an EV, it's a really clever way for Ford to hook into their performance heritage and just, you know, for hooning around. Uh, burnout mode available on things like the Mustang Mach-E soon, I gather. Uh, you press both the brake and accelerator pedals at the same time. It engages the uh, brake and applies full power, allowing the driver to spin the wheels, you know, the rear wheels, if you want, uh, with the brakes applied to the front wheels. And so you're generating a lot of smoke and noise and drama without actually going anywhere. It'll appeal, I think, to a certain subsection of those that are into car culture. And uh, burnout mode will do more for their reputation, I think, than ever be used, because there'll be a bunch of YouTube videos uh, going around. And, you know, they'll get this reputation for kind of being wild but nobody like you and I would ever use uh, burnout mode. But still, I mean, it's cool, right? I'd like to see it in action. Now, let's talk about Link & Co., the subsidiary of Geely, launching their first full electric vehicle. It was called the Zero Concept, a, an SUV designed to appeal to younger drivers in urban areas. The Zero Concept, built on a modular platform um, that runs through Geely, and that allows for various powertrain options so going fully electric because lincoln co do have some plug-in stuff some hybrid stuff uh, but fully electric 150 kilowatt hour battery 435 miles of range and very high tech inside big 15.5 inch touchscreen facial recognition when you walk up to the car to let you in an ai powered personal assistant when you're in there so that it can do everything from set the car to the temperature that you want to update itself 
over the air. Now, Link & Co plans to launch the Zero in uh, Europe and the United States, we think sometime around 2024, using their SEA platform, Sustainable Experience Architecture. Even the Smart One compact SUV uses that. Uh, but when the Link & Co full EV, whatever they call it. It won't be called the concept, obviously. Uh, the the Lincoln Co. 01 is a plug-in hybrid, and uh, often um, I've not driven that one, but I gather people in Europe, mainland Europe, have that on a monthly fee that looks after maintenance and roadside assistance, etc. But then you can actually, on the app, let your friends and family drive that vehicle, and they can pay you for it as well. And some people, I think, are even making money from their Lincoln Co.'s, but there we go. Right, let's talk Toyota announcing that their first EV developed with BYD, uh, the BZ3, has rolled off the production line. Uh, it marks a major mi- marks a major milestone uh, for Toyota and BYD with the BZ3 on sale in China at least for now. The first of many EVs that Toyota they say will develop. Uh, over the coming years. Uh, Not that I'll get to drive the BZ3 because it's not here yet, however. uh, Based on Toyota's eTNGA platform and using a BYD powertrain, that's not no bad thing. Like the BYD batteries, the blade batteries, it's it's all good stuff. A range of around 250 miles, either front-wheel drive or all-wheel drive, uh, with advanced uh, driver assistance. Of course, it's in China, so it's got to be. We heard of the Toyota and BYD partnership back in 2019 with the goal of jointly developing uh, EVs. Toyota, uh, my best friends, uh, of course, so famous for plug-ins, for for hybrids and not really plug-in vehicles, but we'll wait and see how well they do moving into EV. Uh, I've mentioned this before, a lot of the research that when you ask someone who makes the most EVs, Toyota comes out top. And so uh, the public are giving them credit for things they're not doing. So when they actually start doing them, Will they be okay, if that makes sense? Uh, Toyota uh, will certainly introduce more EVs globally, but the BZ3, for now at least, is just going to be in China. Other markets set to follow. No details on pricing or availability. Spice Shots now revealing the Lamborghini Urus. Not a full electric, though, but it is a plug-in hybrid version of the Urus for a 2024 model year, set to join the ranks of luxury EVs. Recently spotted during testing and the car is expected to debut next year hybrid version plug-in hybrid version first ever one from the italian car maker built on the same platform as the current urus well out of the price tag of nearly everybody listening to this podcast but still it's interesting that these uh, these big famous sports names like ferrari lamborghini and mclaren are all starting to go electric now after years of saying nope 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 we're not going to do it oh no yes we are going to do it Uh, having a look at these spy shots not a huge amount changing from if you know what the lamborghini urus looks like it's the same really there's a charging port on the left rear side and um you would think that the electric motor and the battery pack, while, of course, adding weight to that vehicle, will, of course, give it so much more extra power. You're talking seven, 800 horsepower. Uh, the current non-electric version does 641 horsepower. So adding some electricity and some EV-ness always makes a vehicle better. Uh, we'll see how much of it they add, and if you can do a decent range. If you can do sort of 25, 30, 35 miles on electric only, and you plug the thing in every day, that should be enough for daily driving. And... 
you're going into cities or areas, um, low emission zones. That, that's, that's normally enough, not enough to road trip, of course, but it should be okay. The addition of a plug-in hybrid to Lamborghini's lineup is a clear sign that they're committed to moving towards an EV future, even though, say, many of these big companies are kind of reluctantly with one hand tied behind their back. God, oh, go right then. Okay, we'll make a plug-in hybrid. I get it. For many people, Vehicles like that, like I say, Ferraris and Lambos and all that, the drama is often in the noise. The noise comes from burning stuff, and the noise is waste. The noise is inefficiency. Heat and noise, when you are burning a fuel, uh, is not going into kinetic energy. It's not moving anything forward. But that drama, that wastage, if you like, if you want to be all nerdy about it, um, is what so many people like, I guess. Yeah, I kind of do. It's one of the kind of weird things about watching electric racing is that, okay, well, the noise is different. That'll take a while to get used to. Now let's talk Volvo, delivering 20 electric trucks to DFDS in Gothenburg. Uh, Volvo delivering them to the Danish shipping and logistics company uh, to be used for distribution and delivery services in the city centre. Of course, all companies like DFDS and others want to reduce their carbon footprint. Uh, The Volvo FL Electric, fully electric truck, 300 kilometres of range on that, uh, very High-tech, lots of sensors, lots of cameras to make inner-city driving hopefully as safe for everyone on the roads as possible. Fast-charged at the logistics centres, and that's all the energy they need to then go out and do their rounds and then come back and charge up again. I'll pop a link to that story from UKHaulier.co.uk website where I found it. First time I've been to that website, uh, and very good it is too. In the show notes, so you can read more. One of the states in the US that is very pro-EV, very EV-forward, is Colorado, recently releasing their EV plan with the aim of accelerating the adoption of EVs and achieving their state goal of reducing greenhouse gas emissions and improving air quality for its residents. The plan outlines an approach to expanding EV infrastructure, increasing EV availability, and promoting consumer awareness. One of the key strategies in the plan is to expand their infrastructure with the goal of 500,000 plugs by the end of the decade so that will obviously be a mix of you know a few dc fast chargers and by a few i mean in relation and then lots and lots of level two and then loads of slow chargers everywhere because when everyone's got an ev uh, you'll want lots of plugs everywhere but the right plugs in the right places don't get me started uh, they're partnering with utilities and the private sector and increasing ev availability through incentives with the manufacturers uh, and also the plan addresses equity concerns by prioritizing the deployment of charging infrastructure to areas where it's not underserved communities areas where residents don't have access to personal uh, vehicles even or even somewhere to charge your car off road Colorado's EV plan could well be copied by, I say could well be, should well be at least looked at by some of the more EV backward states in the US and seen as it's lots of lots of states are pro EV, uh, but another way of uh, looking forward and addressing those things that need to be done now so that by 2030, when everyone's got an EV, we're good to go. All right, coming up on the podcast soon, we'll talk about Turkey opposing a, a, a tariff on EVs coming into the country, and uh, we'll talk about whether California's power grid can keep up with the surge in EVs. Those stories and more come up. Oh, by the way, if you want to reduce the ads, remove the ads even from this podcast, you can do that by being a supporter of this show. If you want to support what I do, 
patreon.com slash evnewsdaily is the website to do it on. You can be a producer, an executive producer, uh, or more. You want to be a corporate sponsor, you can. And uh, then you get your own special feed. You plug that into your podcast app, and it takes the ads out. And I'll be back in a second. Okay, now let's talk about Tesla reviewing the European investment uh, following the IRA, the Inflation Reduction Act. Not just Tesla, but European companies themselves considering their investment plans in Europe. Following Joe Biden's landmark policy, six, uh, $369 billion in spending on climate and energy policies. The IRA, the Inflation Reduction Act, has raised the stakes and European companies are looking stateside and upset politicians over here as well. If you're a multinational company that's the likes of Northvolt, the Swedish battery maker, uh, car makers, uh, energy companies like the Italian energy giant Enel, all looking at the subsidies coming out of the US and going, well, look, you just can't compete over here. The simplicity is actually attractive to companies and is considered a simple pro-business investment tool. Some call it protectionism, though. And while the European Union is a complex beast. I won't pretend it's not. Um, uh, There are many reasons why European officials should be worried about firms postponing their investments, like Tesla did with their battery plant at Giga Berlin, moving that investment to the US to take advantage of the subsidies for the IRA. I mean, take, for instance, a big European company like EDP. I think that is the energy company in Portugal, um, Energias de Portugal. I think the CEO said that Europe needs to step up its game Otherwise, it will lose key investments, and the EU is aware it needs to do more to compete internationally. So what do you do? Do you either do uh, your own version of local incentives to compete with the IRA, which is, hopefully, this all means that you and I get cheaper electric vehicles, or do you then say, well, okay, if you're going to do that, anything that's made in America is just going to cost, you know, and a load more money to buy here and do tit for tat? I don't, you know, I understand the IRA. There are many downsides to it. Uh, if you are perhaps more of a global citizen, perhaps, uh, which is what I aspire to be, or at least you know, I'm very proud of the country I live in, of course, but there are many reasons why globalisation is a good thing. And I get the fact that you know everything's done in China, and if they want to burp and cut everybody else off, they can. But still, uh, it's a complex. So Turkey have gone the other way, though. Turkey have announced a 40% tariff on anything coming in from China. An EV coming from China starting this month with the aim of boosting local production and encouraging investors to set up factories inside Turkey. The new tariff applies to EVs, buses, commercial vehicles, anything really, uh, an EV coming from China. The decision is in line with their goal to reduce the reliance on foreign imports and try and stimulate a domestic EV industry in Turkey. Uh, A country not really famous for their car industry, but a country where many car parts are actually made. While the move initially impacts Chinese EV makers, it's an opportunity for other countries to expand their vehicle exports to Turkey and be much cheaper than those Chinese makers that want to sell cars there. Turkey's not the biggest car market in the world, but, well, if all of a sudden Germany said, or France said, Or Great Britain said, oh, we're going to put a 40% tax on anything coming in from China. Well, or America. That changes the game a bit. And all of a sudden you want to buy locally made and domestic made. So, yeah, like I say, interesting times. 
California's grid is almost certainly going to be fine, but a new question uh, being asked by uh, in a report from California's independent system operator uh, says that actually an increase in EVs could result in an increase in electricity demand, yeah, you think, um, by 2045. So we're fast-forwarding over 20 years in the future, and of course this comes out and the media latch onto it and go, oh, the grid won't cope. The increased demand of course, poses a challenge if it is an increase in demand. Many power grids around the world are seeing a decrease in demand, by the way, because of increased energy efficiency in homes and appliances within them. But still, okay, on a 20-year time scale, so you go with this report, and yes, EVs do add some uh, load onto the grid. All the experts that I've ever spoken to, ever read, say it's not a problem. We can deal with it. EVs get charged overnight when the grid is quiet. We've got capacity. We'll add some storage. EVs will help the grid because they can feed back into it. Panic not, everybody. But you can imagine this was picked up, and I saw it in several places, going, California is going to melt because of electric vehicles in the year 2045. Ah, It's frustrating, but I've done this long enough for many years uh, to know to brush these things aside and go, you know what, it's fine, it's been disproven loads, it's okay. Of course, California is a little bit different, has a load of renewables on the grid during the day because of solar when it's sunny. Um, Unlike many other countries, the, the, the shape of the demand curve like during the day changes a bit in california uh, like a lot of sunny states that have lots of solar on where you've got a bit more generation during the day but either either way the grid can handle any increased demand in many parts of the world now let's talk about how evs could get cheaper and that is lithium carbonates now that's different there's different lithiums uh the lithium that tesla uses in their batteries what's that lithium hydroxide that's not getting as cheap as lithium carbonate their prices are dropping significantly. A one CEO of an auto company, Li Auto, a big Chinese company, says the price has uh, seen significant decline recently and will continue to go down by 40% this year. Key component in some lithium-ion batteries. And over the past year, lithium carbonate did skyrocket because of increased demand. Now it's coming back down again. And the CEO of Li Auto attributes the potential drop in prices to an increase in production and also notes the current high prices have led to the development of alternative battery technologies, such as the market will go, okay, so that's expensive, but you know what about sodium ion batteries, which I've talked a lot about recently. And so those prices are coming down. It all means cheaper EVs for you and I when we go to make our next purchase. Hopefully, that's the theory. And finally, car makers are facing supply chain challenges in their quest for sustainable EVs as the demand for EVs continues to grow. Car makers are racing to secure a steady supply of minerals themselves, but mining companies are wary of investing in new products and projects, digging holes in the ground because of the risks involved. According to Reuters, Volkswagen, GM and more are tradition, uh, bypassing traditional mining companies and taking the matters into their own hands, investing directly and partnering in small mining startups to specialise in the extraction of lithium, cobalt, nickel and more. And these partnerships allowing the car makers themselves to secure their own consistent supply of minerals and gain control over their supply chain. Because that's it. In 2030, if you want to be making, you know, four, five, six, ten million EVs a year, you can't do it if you don't have control over your supply chains. It's the opposite of the way the car industry got itself to. So many car companies were so good at buying in all the bits they needed, often in entirely assembled bits of a car, and, and arriving just in time, bolting them together, getting them out the door, being great at marketing, by the way, and selling you the car, 
and and they became really good at that and so a greater control over their supply chain is is new to some of them or it's going back to uh, old ways for some of them um but as i've mentioned before many 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 times when toyota like this week toyota came out and said oh we think we're going to need to get a battery supply deal in place yeah like if i go back 1700 episodes of this podcast i might have said the same thing four or five years ago so if you're just thinking about that now You've probably got a bit of an issue because the others that have been, Tesla, etc., are so far ahead. And these things aren't, you know, I, I, this, is not, this isn't a mining podcast, but I, when I talk to the experts, and I, I understand 1% of this, but when I talk to the experts about mining, yeah, it's all well and good talking about this, but to get a new project up and running, to lo- locate somewhere in the world to do it is on a timescale, I don't three to five years. Uh, to get that project up and running is, say it's three to five years. To get the refining of that product. Now, it's out of the ground. They've got to refine it. Say it's three to five years. And all of a sudden, you know, if, if you're not, if you haven't been doing it for years already and you're looking at 2030, that's five minutes away in car land. And so... Well, you know, now is not the time to be scratching your heads and going, oh, I think we need some minerals for our batteries. Yeah, you're a little bit late to the party, Toyota. All right, that's your podcast for today. Thanks to our premium partners, Phil Roberts, Porsche of the Village in Cincinnati, Audi of Cincinnati East, and Volvo Cars of Cincinnati East. National car charging on the US mainland and Aloha Charge in Hawaii. Derek Riley's EV Review Island YouTube channel. Octopus Electric Universe, global public charging made simple with one app and one map and lease plan electric moments providing all the tools and guidance that ev drivers need hey have a good and see you tomorrow for the start of a brand new week and remember there is no such thing as a self-charging hybrid oh it was a spiky one today